Zach, I've been thinking. Okay. Which is dangerous. Yeah, I thought I smelled something burning. Well, we got to up our marketing strategy. Man. We do. The Instagram's not doing hot. I will say, guess what our best numbers are on social media? Which which platform? Um, LinkedIn. Uh, second best. Okay. First Facebook. Best. Facebook. Facebook gets likes all the time. Thanks, Facebook fans. Yes, thank you. In the Filipino audience, yeah, thank you all too. They are they're big Facebook supporters. They are they are mo- are most loyal. But anyway, I had I had a marketing idea really that worked the other day. I, I think it, we oh, should so try. You've done it. I, I've tried you it out. You implemented it, and you haven't. I haven't. And hasn't emailed me about it. I, I know. I didn't tell her. I told her to hold because okay. it's still in the early testing phases. Gotcha. But I wanted to invite our audience to test with us. Okay. So. Two weekends ago, my wife and I, Abby, took a trip to Chicago, the mm. Big Apple, yes, as they say. It's not. Well, it's <laughs> not Chicago. As some say. It's the reflective bean. Is what they That's call right. It. <laughs> Which is, I will say, very underwhelming. Oh. Very underwhelming. So, I've never been there, but sorry, Chicago. Sorry, Chicago. That's I, I all just, they have. Right? They, ha- they had a lot of great other things. The, okay. the city's beautiful. The skyline's beautiful. You the buildings. The down. Yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the architecture is actually wonderful. We took an arch- architecture tour. Oh. But the bean... Underwhelming. Underwhelming. Cool, but underwhelming. Yeah. You just, you literally, you just take a picture of with the beans so people know, oh, they're in Chicago. Oh, yeah, Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this marketing strategy. We landed in our plane in Chicago. We're sitting on the runway in our United jet. Mm, sponsor? And, uh, maybe. Not even. Close. Come on, United. We've had Southwest on the podcast. <laughs> we though. have. That's true. Anyway, uh, Abby asked me to send her this photo uh, I had taken or something. And so I turn on my airdrop and say, hey, naturally. turn on your airdrop naturally because who texts pictures <laughs> yeah, anymore? Yeah, you a Neanderthal? <laughs> yeah. So I'm airdropping this picture. But what I realized as I'm airdropping is that about 10 to 12 people pop up on my airdrop, oh. random people on the plane. So I'm like, I'm not going to send them a picture of me and Abby, our faces, so well, they look back and see us. Fair. But what I'm going to try is go back and send them the logo for our podcast. Oh. And so I go back, I scroll back, and I turn on my airdrop again, and I'm at our logo, at the picture of our yeah. logo. And I click every person on there and then just hide my phone so no one sees of where course. it's coming from. Of I'm course. like, Abby, don't say my name so no one knows my name's Zach. Right. So I'm watching. It's declined by a few, accepted by a couple. Uh-huh. But the best one was right in front of me, the literal seat in front of me. This girl has her phone like up on the the headrest yeah, yeah, yeah. in she's front like of her. She's on the little table. Where yeah, she's on the table, so yeah. I can see directly onto her screen, and she accepts it, and so it sends from my phone, and all of a sudden, it just our logo pops up on her screen. Oh, and so she's like looking at it, and like staring at it, and then just goes off. And then kept going back to it. Like, would just kept going and looking at it. And then she switches over to the podcast uh, app. No way. The Apple podcast? Yes. And found the podcast. And clicked play? I don't know if she clicked play, if but she found it. If you're listening and you were airdropped an episode, <laughs> yeah. welcome to the family. <laughs> Literally. Please. So, but then it gets better because I kept... Oh obviously, gosh. just this is the first time I'm hearing the story. <laughs> That's true. We literally saved this for the, <laughs> yeah. for the podcast. So the, I, I, this is an honest reaction. I have just a rush of like, uh, oh my gosh, I've hit the jackpot yeah. of marketing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a marketing guru. Welcome to the world of marketing <laughs> so, by Zach Funderburg. That's right. So then I decide, I wonder if you can send individual episodes. Mm. 
And so you can. So did you send one? one not, to her? not to her. So I realized this later. The Lord is speaking to me. <laughs> As we're walking through the airport, as we're sitting in restaurants the whole weekend. You're just, Chicago is booming. Chicago is our hot spot now. Right. No, I, every place we sit down, I see whose airdrop is open and I send them episodes. Not everyone accepts it. Honestly, right. the rest of the weekend, I didn't have too many accepts, but I had a couple. Yeah. And like people are just accepting it yeah. and it pops up and it's just our podcast. You know what we need to do? What? We need to fill, we need to create an episode that's like, this is our airdrop episode. <laughs> It's like we send them this podcast and they're like, hey. That's a great idea. just airdrop this podcast. Welcome. Like We just, we just so talk to them funny. as if it yes. was literally like we were talking to them and they just, they just met us on the street. I love that. So here's what I want to try. I did it. I want to see how big, how we can make this work. Yes. If you are listening to this episode, say you're in a big public space. Yeah. Maybe you're on like a public Chicago. transportation. You're on a bus. You're in a restaurant. Chicago you're at, might be oversaturated, actually. You're at your workplace. Yeah. I want you to pull up an episode, your your favorite episode specifically. Yeah. And I want you to airdrop it to everyone Just around see you. See what happens. See what happens. And while you're at it, give us a five star review and leave us a uh, leave us a rating. Yeah. Leave us a, really it's, leave us a review. It's literally free. It is free it's to do free that. Free for you to do that. And we read all of them. We do, and we love them all. We love. Them. So, but what I want to do, I want to see how many people accept your airdrop. Yeah. So if you do get accepted, leave a rating and uh, tell us if it was accepted. Right. Send us an email. Send us if, a DM. If one person, two people, three people, four people, five people, or more, put five stars, no matter no matter what. <laughs> yeah. And then in the comments, just say five people accepted my airdrop. I would love to see this podcast explode because people airdropping. This is the ultimate grassroots. This is grassroots and also Apple being able to control. That's right, which we talked about last last week. week, Yeah. So airdrop your favorite episode to everyone you know or everyone in your proximity. Even if you don't know. Yes, especially actually if you don't know them because it makes it less weird. Yeah. So I just, I just, I loved it. I was like immediately like now everywhere I go, I just airdrop somebody. Yeah, I, yeah I'll be joining you. I'm going to just you. drive up, cl- get close to cars <laughs> yes. and just send an airdrop. <laughs> just be looking creepily over yeah, in your just, driveway. Like, just pointing at my phone. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, yes. You get that too? You got there? <laughs> that was so weird. Anyway, I think it could be a successful join marketing. Us. Yes, join us. So that we can one day rule the, no, not that we don't want to rule the world. <laughs> just, uh, just. Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg, here with my co-host, Coop McCullough. It's me. How we doing? Uh, sorry, I'm getting an airdrop notification. <laughs> it kidding. might be my favorite episode, which isn't out yet because we're recording it right now. Oh, my transition. <laughs> It might be my new favorite. Okay. Well, it's gonna, a really good one. Let's hear. Let's hear. So her name is Danny. Danny Bethune. Mm. She it. is the executive director at C5 Youth Foundation of Texas. Coop, have you ever heard of C5? I've heard of C4. And uh, <laughs> people use that in to blow, video games. To explode. I've not, I've not heard of C5. Is it this newer explosive? No, it is for not exploding. It is exploding for the youth of America. That's right. The C5. This is what the C, the five C's are. Okay. Character driven, community focused, challenge ready, college bound, and committed to a better future. Mm. They are, uh, to this, in lower impoverished communities, the C5 is going in and lifting kids out of this and say, we're going to give you hope for a better future by building people who are character driven, community focused, challenge ready, college bound, and committed to a better you future. You can see it on a tattoo. You get, I mean, I have one actually. You should get it. <laughs> I should. Well, maybe not. No, no, thank you. But it's really cool. She was talking to me about it off air after we were recording. She talks about it on the podcast as yeah, well. But we're talking about what they do to do this. She's talking about all these camping trips, all, all these hikes, yeah. and they, they literally send them out with a chaperone. 
They'll put them in groups of two with a chaperone. Send them out in the woods. One chaperone, one kid? No, one chaperone, two kids. Okay. Rule of three. Rule of three. Come on. I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> Come on. And so they're going through the woods. They have a point they have to get to. The chaperone is only there to keep them safe. Yeah. Does not help them wow. whatsoever. <laughs> the chaperone's like, bro, I'm hungry. Can we please follow this compass? <laughs> Can we? Can we? <laughs> bro, I brought some Cheetos. Come on. Right. Anyway, so they're, they just have to go. They literally use a compass trying to figure out wow. where to go. And things like that that are really, I mean, that builds character. Yeah. That makes you challenge rate because i mean that is hard it's difficult stuff so many kids are walking into college and i mean we just graduated college i mean we're college graduates we're graduates but we'll there are it. some people walking to college not ready for yeah, the challenge of college that's right and i think we grew more in college than ever before absolutely and i believe that we were some of those people hey, we our lives have not been just hard we are not we haven't naturally built resilience off the things that have been hard in our right. life but we were able to learn college was a good experience for us but this c5 organization with danny really just builds yeah. young character-driven students and which young is people. important so important but we talked today it's a nonprofit, and i just got to ask her a lot about what it's like leading a nonprofit, getting volunteers to come out fundraising the grassroots of yeah. nonprofit and, it, and it's hard it's hard work and what they do is especially hard because a lot of nonprofits give out goods which is so important so good they're giving people bread for the day right but what this what c5 is doing is giving them the tools for life right not and, just giving you a fish but teaching you to fish exactly yep. and i think it's so important and, but they're giving kids opportunity to grow learn become challenge ready and ready for what the world has to throw at them yeah and so it's this is a really good episode i had a lot of fun uh, with Danny. So without further hachu, God bless you, COVID. Thank you. Here's my interview with Danny Bethune. Well, Danny, thank you so much for being with us, being on, and let me ask you some questions. I, I want to start by letting you introduce yourself. Who are you? Kind of how did you get to where you are today? And tell us a little bit about what you're, you're doing at C5. Yes. So my name is Denisha Bethune. I do go by Danny. I have worked in the nonprofit field for over 15 years. Um, I started out at a small AIDS uh, center in Tarrant County called AIDS Outreach Center as a youth minority outreach worker. Mm -hmm. So I always pin myself as a sex education worker because I was out talking to young people about HIV and AIDS and how they could get infected. And then also I did testing. Um, but from there, I left and went to a couple of other organizations, mainly working in development. So helping to find resources to support the mission and programs of different organizations. So I've worked for Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Salvation Army. I've worked for Methodist Health System Foundation, a local homeless shelter here in town. So I've had the opportunity to raise funding, but also learn a lot about social issues that impact our communities and people that we serve. So it's been quite interesting my career in nonprofit. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, you have a lot of experience and a lot of years in the nonprofit world. I think nonprofit also is a word that can be thrown around and we kind of know what it means. But will you kind of give us what is the difference between just a, a business model and then the, the 501c3 like nonprofit model? So there is very little difference between okay. the two. I would say one of the main differences is, is that nonprofit organizations do not pay taxes on items and things that they do. That's one main difference that makes us different. But other than that, we are, we are a business. Right. And I always tell people, anytime you do anything that has cash coming in and cash going out, you're a business. Mm. And so um, I think what happens is with nonprofits, because oftentimes you have very small staff, 
very small resources and sometimes little money at times to run the organization as efficient as a corporation is. We take we don't take into account all the qualifications, skills, abilities, and resources that nonprofits have to do in order to make their programs sustainable. Whereas a corporation has dollars behind it to help the machine move, nonprofits find other ways to help our machine move. And it really is, it really is great that we have investors, uh, philanthropists, people, donors, volunteers who believe in the work who come alongside and help us do what we do. So very little difference in what we're doing. We, you know, most nonprofits, if they're big enough, they have an HR department, a finance right. department, right? There is the program department. Um, you know, they have an executive director. There are other ancillary things happening behind the scenes. So very little different difference if you ask me. Yeah, that's great. And even like you were saying there, you are the executive director, if I'm not mistaken, of a, of a nonprofit here in town called C5. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what y'all are up to? Yes. So I'm so excited to be the executive director for C5 Youth Foundation of Texas. I have been here almost a year at the end of this month. It's amazing. Um, Congrats. Thank you. It will be a year. And so this has been a great experience. So C5 Youth Foundation of Texas is a five-year curriculum-based intensive youth leadership development program. And we're focused on five tenets. We focus on leadership development, college and career preparation, community action, social awareness, and personal development. And we do that through our five C's. So our five C's are we are looking to help our leaders be character-driven, community-focused, challenge-ready, college-bound, and committed to a better future. So mm-hmm. every summer, our leaders attend a summer experience based on one of those five Cs. The first year, they will attend um, our 25-day summer camp where they're learning about themselves. The second year, they'll come back to our summer camp, and they're now learning how to lead others. The third year, we take them hiking in the Teton Valley Mountains, and they are then becoming learning how to become challenge-ready. You can imagine climbing a hike, uh, right. you know, hiking for seven full days. The uh, fourth year, we take them on a road to college tours. So they'll choose eight to 10 colleges that they want to visit in Texas and surrounding states. And then the last year, we host a Actively Changing Tomorrow Now Summit, mm-hmm. where our leaders engage in a local issue, and then they work to find a solution to the issue that they've, uh, that they've decided on. So this year, it was homelessness. And so our leaders looked at root causes of homelessness and connected with community and government leaders to determine what's really the issue behind it, and then what solutions can be put in place to change it. And then during the school year, we have something called Pathways. And during these Pathways, they're focused more on the college, career, and community action aspects of our program. And then our leaders are constantly learning about professional development on their own. Um, They're required to complete 40 hours of community service. Um, They're also required to submit their report cards to us, as well as them being actively involved and extracurricular activities that they may be doing um, at their schools or outside of school, um, as well as just being uniquely aware about themselves and how they can develop as a person. Gosh, I love that. That just gets me so excited. That's so fun. It is fun. It's fun I mean, for our kids. You got to think about, we are serving students that may be from single parent households, right. maybe first person in their family to ever go to college, um, maybe living in a risky neighborhood. 
hood or, you know, are living in just some extreme situations and they're able to go to camp every summer, right? They're able to go hiking, um, going up, a, you know, hiking a mountain. They're able to take college tours, something that a lot of us probably wish we could have done when we were growing up ourselves. They're, they're engaged in the community. And so we're able to teach children who may not come from the best backgrounds, who may not have as much money as others to know that you have a place in this world and there is somebody who is actually less fortunate than you and you have a community that you need to serve and not only hold yourself to a higher standard, but hold the community that you live in to one as well. I love that. And I love what you talked about with their final kind of project is, is picking a, a social issue or something that's going on and finding solutions and really equipping them by doing it, which I think is so cool. And I was reading about one about taking uh, proposals to the school board about why in these uh, lower income communities, is there less uh, or is there a higher dropout rate in schools? And then getting to put a plan together and then take it to school boards, I think is so good and so practical and what a lot of people miss in their, in their growing up years. But what I love about C5 and y'all's nonprofit uh, kind of model is that it really gives opportunities kids opportunities to achieve by doing things, kind of like what I was saying, rather than just giving them physical resources. Because I think you think of a lot of foundations that just give money, which is good and we need that. But I think kid, the kids that you're getting to work with need the opportunities to, to figure out what it looks like to achieve and to grow and to learn. And so kind of talk about that, this, this difference in the nonprofit world of providing opportunities and then providing just resources. Yeah. So I think one distinguishing fact about our organization and about our program is that leaders, we call our, our participants leaders, leaders stay in our program for five years. And so we recruit these students out of the seventh grade and we're looking for the BC student, not necessarily the A student, but a student right. that is kind of in the shadows, right? That has great potential. We're looking for that student that may be the first person in their family to go to college, you know, or like I said, a single parent household or living in a risky neighborhood. And then we're also looking for that student that's ready for the challenge, that's physically able to go on these hikes, to participate in the community in a way that you may not do that in a, another nonprofit program. And so once we recruit these students out of the seventh grade, they're with us from the time they enter, but the summer before they enter into eighth grade until they graduate out of high school. And so we're seeing this, we're, we make a five-year investment in these students, whereas you have other nonprofits that students may be able to go in and out, right? They, they may ebb and flow through the nonprofit organization or they may ebb and flow through the program, but there may not be a real commitment on the student to be a part of what they're doing. For our program, there is no ebb and flow. It's once you are in the program, you are in the program. We don't recruit from any other age group. So these students are, are pretty much with us from, like I said, the time they enter into eighth grade until the time they graduate into high school. So we get a chance to really know them, right? We know mm. them, we know their families, we know the issues they may be combating. And we not only can provide some of that emotional support, but we can provide support in a way of identifying resources in the community instead of just giving somebody resources and saying, here, fly with what we've given you. 
we work to equip our leaders to be able to identify resources on their own and then be able to reach out. So their community service that they have to do for the year, that 40 hours, those leaders are responsible for reaching out to nonprofit organizations in their community and establishing that relationship relationship to complete their community service. It's not us necessarily giving them the community service to do. So that right there is empowering our young people to do the research, to make the connection and to stay committed. And I don't know if you see a lot of, you know, nonprofit youth development programs that do that. Right. I think that's, you said it right there is the main word of empowerment. So as a leader and on a leadership podcast, it is so important for young leaders and experienced leaders to know what it looks like to empower someone and to, and empowering like the kids you work with who are coming from, from, uh, lesser than desirable uh, family lives or, or home lives. Uh, what does it look like for you to empower these kids to achieve more, to go further and to work harder? I think one one particular thing that we do in our program, we teach 21st century learning skills, right? Right. And so because we're teaching 21st century leadership skills, um, we're teaching them how to be self-aware, how to communicate, how to be problem solvers, decision makers, collaboratives, um, responsible, accountable, um, teaching them how to persevere and be resilient, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the difference. The difference is we just we don't tell these kids what to do. We allow them to explore and make mistakes in a safe place. So one example I can give to you is that our leaders have to prepare to go on that hiking trip. So every year that they're in the program, they're taking hiking excursions throughout the year. Most often we give them a map, a compass and a chaperone. And from there, those leaders are having to get from point A to point B on their own without the chaperone telling them, well, go north 10, you know, five miles and then go east two miles. No, these leaders are having to work together to determine how do we get from point A to point B. Now, of course, if they get too off task, there's a chaperone there to help them get on task. But that chaperone isn't saying, "Okay, you all now you need to go two miles. No, the chaperone is saying, where did you get off? Hmm. Do you all think we need to backtrack? Do you all think you need to review the map again? Like they're asking them questions to help our leaders think, because I think that's the main part of our kids nowadays. They're not given the opportunities to really think for themselves. They're most often told what to do. Hmm. And so our program allows them to think, be critical mind thinkers, um, grow their mindset, and, but also in a safe space, right? Where they're allowed to do that safely. Yeah, you're, you're just creating an environment where it's safe and okay to fail because that's when you learn and that's when you grow. And even giving kids a map and letting them get from point A to point B is building that resilience to fight through no matter how hard it gets to continue to push and continue to fight and to continue to get to where you're trying to go. I love that. And and I think the, and, and I think the other thing is to learn how to work as a team, right? Mm-hmm. I think we, we we suffer as a society because we are we some can sometimes can be very in individualistic, even if that may not be a word, but I like it. Um, And and so helping our children to work as a group and to, to listen to everybody's perspective and then come to a common ground. Hmm. That, that is something that we miss in this society right now. It is very hard for us to come to a common ground as a society. And so we see a lot of division in, in our society right now because we're not grooming 
our young people and some of us older people have not been groomed to learn how to work together. And so our program is teaching these leaders now. As a leader, one thing you have to learn how to do is learn how to listen to other people, understand their perspective, see how that perspective can work in the grand scheme of what you're trying to achieve, and then go forward. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you teach a, a kid, a child to listen to understand rather than just listening to think of an argument to combat what they're saying? How do you teach a child to listen to understand what the other person is trying to say? Yeah. So I'm going to say this, and this is more than words, but yeah. the words I'm saying to you come to this point. So we have a set of cornerstone code. So the cornerstone code is C5's behavioral expectations that we have for our leaders. So the cornerstone code is that we represent ourselves and our community well. Um, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. We show respect for everyone in our community and we build the future we wish to see. Yeah. So as a part of our program, we're constantly teaching this cornerstone code in the curriculum that we provide. When we're talking about our social awareness programming, um, it is it is built on a lot of diversity, inclusion, understanding other people's views, values through not only our act our words, but our actions. So we're doing a lot of that work through our curriculum sessions, our pathway sessions, when we're teaching the leadership um, modules at our camp, we're doing a lot of work that allows them to listen to one another. So one thing I can say that we do, we do an insight question at the beginning of all of our sessions. And so the in so I'm gonna talk about an event we had this summer. We were talking about biases, racism and prejudice this summer. Hmm. And one of the insight questions is name one of your biases. Yeah. And so in a safe space, we were all able to name a bias that we have. And it wasn't argumentative. It wasn't mean spirited. It was in a way to capture understanding, but they were allowed to do it in a safe space. So you're allowed to give your opinion in a safe space. And then we're able to moderate these conversations so that we are listening and listening to understand. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's growing a generation that will listen to understand people and be able to communicate and be able to come to the best conclusion rather than just refuting, refuting and never getting anywhere. I love that. It's so important in leadership development, social awareness and what y'all are doing out there. I want to ask you some questions just based on being the executive director of a nonprofit. How, how much of your time or daily schedule is spent directly with uh, the kids in the program? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, I figured. So, yeah. So with that, uh, I'm sure there has to be a ton of empathy and being able to feel with these kids. So what does it look like for you to kind of interject uh, yourself into their stories to help them along? How, how can leaders do that well in order to know the people they're leading and trying to get them from point A to point B? Yeah. So I think it's uh, for me, it's a couple of things. So I was raised in a single parent household, okay. but I was, but I wasn't the first generation to graduate from college. I was the third generation in my family to do that. Um, and then I think also being a woman of color and working with a lot of minority children, I think it gives me a little sense as well as some of the issues they may be dealing with. 
right. um, just, you know, in their daily lives, but also in society as a whole. So I think that helps me as a leader because I kind of I come from where they come from. Mm. Um, and then also I was not the best student in school. I, I was a I was a A, B student, C student sometimes, depending on what the subject was, math in particular. Right. And they so okay. we've been there. <laughs> we're we're so, past it. Yeah. And I, and I think even though I was in a household that education was highly stressed, going to college was not an option. Like I didn't have that option not to go. Um, I still, there still is a part of you having your own intrinsic motivation. Right. Right. And so I think that's where we all can identify with these children is that how motivated are we despite the resources we may have around us, despite the people we may have around us? It is really a matter of ourselves being somewhat self-motivated to move us forward. So I can understand what our leaders go through on a daily basis, just with school and wanting to be successful in your all right, but then also understanding that there may be some family issues that can sometimes hinder some of that success. Mm. So I think that I think that's one thing that kind of helps me. A couple of things that help me. Yeah, I think that's huge. Do you, have you always had just a burden for what you do? I think growing up or entering the nonprofit or uh, the professional world was that kind of the burden on your heart to go help these kids in these communities. Uh, and then with that, is that just like the burden for it? Is that like what keeps you awake at night? And then what keeps you going forward during the day? So I'm I'm going to, I think it was some of my upbringing. So my grandfather was a high school teacher. My grandmother was a high school teacher. My grandfather eventually became a city council person in the city I was raised in. My mother worked for a nonprofit organization as a director herself and was also a teacher. And so I was always around children that were either doing better than my family or who were sometimes doing worse than what I was doing. I never set out to go into the nonprofit world. That was not my grand scheme when I went off to college. I mean, I got a degree in, in journalism and public relations. And so some of my projects in school were helping nonprofits market themselves because that's the issue that a lot of nonprofits um, struggle with. But I didn't set out per se to go into nonprofit and really go out to help. But what I think I've learned over the years is that that is a ministry for me. My ministry is helping people see their life's purpose, helping them see what purpose God has set for for them right. in their life. And so I think that's how I've been able to be successful wherever I go, because I just understand that it is the mission of these organizations are so wonderful and the, the, the skills and the, the classes and the things that they're providing to these people to make their lives better is amazing. And so my little part in that was helping to raise money to support those things, right? My little part in that was helping to find resources and partnerships so that these people, our people could then be able to reach God's purpose for their life. So, and I see my, and I see myself in every last one of our kids that we serve, other organizations that I've worked at, I've seen myself in, in those people as well. If it was a homeless person and right. they just weren't motivated to do something, I've seen myself and I'm not always motivated to go to the gym. It's a different type of motivation, but yet and still it's a motivation that helps us to propel ourselves forward. And sometimes we lose that. 
Yeah. And, and got, it's, it's gotta be just so rewarding to doing what you do and, and seeing these kids thrive and finish the program. But, but as the executive director of C5, what, what do you, what would you say are the biggest challenges that you face uh, on the day to day and then yearly or just through what you do with the nonprofit? Yeah. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take COVID out the picture. <laughs> yes. We, we, that's a, that's a challenge for everyone. We, <laughs> that goes so without saying. Yeah. So let's just throw that out the window. <laughs> and let's just talk about uh, as a nonprofit executive director, what challenges um, I have. Yes. So a, as an executive director, I think one challenge is helping people to know who we are, mm-hmm. getting the word out about our organization and the work we do. I think that is, that is always a challenge. Um, because we're, I'm not going to say we're competing, but there's a, a lot of worthy nonprofits in the community that people can serve. So how do you help your nonprofit to kind of stand above the rest? I think okay. that is a challenge. Um, I think a secondary challenge, which is probably a first challenge for all nonprofits, is funding. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always looking for dollars to help support our work. And again, there's a lot of worthy nonprofits out there who are also going after that same dollar or even a new dollar. So being able to expose people to our work who may not have ever seen it can help us then raise potential new dollars or even keep people who are part of our program um, supporting us as well. And then I think the third part that's a struggle is because we work with kids, ensuring that we keep them engaged Mm -hmm. um, in the program, in the work so that we can help them succeed. And so I do talk to our leaders quite often um, because we've because we've gone virtual now. um, I have a lot of um, communication with them as well. So just helping to keep them stay motivated, to stay motivated um, as a part of the work that we're doing back to because of COVID. But I think the main two things are just awareness and fundraising. Yeah. You know. Yeah, just getting people to know uh, who you are. So you guys have a mission. It's obvious uh, you want to help these kids. You have a goal that you're wanting to achieve. And you're having to balance that with the kids you're working with and then the volunteers that are helping out with the program. So how do you balance working with the kids, keeping uh, volunteers motivated to keep coming to help out while moving the whole organization towards the goal and what you all are trying to get to? How do you balance all of that? Well, first, it's tough. That's why we're trying to learn from you. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, <laughs> it is. It is tough. It's yeah. tough to do it all because as a leader, you wear so many hats and being able to balance the course of your day with what is priority and what may need to be placed on the back burner. Um, I do try my best to keep in contact with all of our volunteers, with a lot of our volunteers. And I would say specifically, you know, our board members and other volunteers who work with us. So I make it a point to schedule time um, to just reach out to them individually and schedule a little time and talk to them on my own. I do um, a biweekly update. Hmm to our volunteers um, to help them just kind of know what's going on within the organization. We, uh, we send out a monthly newsletter to all of our leaders in the program and our parents so that they are aware of what's happening in the program. And then also um, just trying to balance the operations of the organization, make sure that we're not, we're spending all of our resources wisely and that we're a good steward of everything somebody gives us and then everything that we do. So it's not, it's not easy, but you got to figure out um, what's most important. And then for me, the most important part is making sure that our leaders are taken care of because they were not, some of them were nominated into this program. Right. Right. So 
you, you got to think about their perspective first, because if it's not for them, then who are we doing it for? Right. I think that's so important. Remembering why you do what you do. Why? Yeah. Remembering your why. Yeah, it's so important. I want to go back to something you talked about earlier. Some one of your your pillars, one of the one one of the five C's, uh, the character. Um, speaking to the next generation, this is the title of the podcast, the Next Generation Leader Podcast. What is the biggest either character flaw, or what do you think the next generation needs to develop more uh, in care? I know this was a complete switch, but I just saw it on my paper. Need to develop more in our character. What are you seeing uh, in these kids today? So I have a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old. So um, you're in the thick of it. You know it. Oh, my Lord. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, And so I would say the one thing that they can do is stop thinking that everything is about them. Hmm. Because it's not. Right. There is a... And I feel like this generation we've done a terrible job and I will say myself included, we've raised our kids in a bubble Hmm. and these kids are in so much of a bubble that the world they see outside of them is filled with YouTube and TikTok and Snapchat and, but it's not reality. Right. And so I think the one thing we could do a better job at is teaching our children that it is a world outside of their room. It is a world outside of their homes. It is a world outside of their neighborhood. And I think C5 does a great job of doing that because of the fact we're taking these kids out of their environment. They're able to see that there's more in this world than just what they think their little bubble is consists of. And if we can help our, our young people to understand that there's a world outside of them, I think they can then grow and have an empathy for others. Yeah. And I think also you also with y'all's program, you're outside and you're camping and you're hiking. Uh, what, what technology is great. Don't get me wrong. We're talking over zoom right now and it, it wouldn't, yeah. we wouldn't be able to connect without it, but what part of technology and the phone, you mentioned Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube have played into that kind of bubble mentality that just this generation has grown up with and how can oh. we fight against it? Yeah. Well, it's played a huge role in the bubble mentality because our kids don't go outside anymore. Right. They rarely go outside. If they do go outside is to go play the sport they're probably participating in. They come back in the house, they're on video games or they're mm -hmm. doing something that's kind of self-absorbed in them. Right. With the C5 program, when you go to camp, you don't have a cell phone. Good. When you're with us, there's not a cell, like we are not fans of the cell phone because you lose the moment. Mm -hmm. You lose the experience that you're sitting in when you're constantly on your phone or engaged in social media. And so we've taken, we, that's not a part of our program mm -hmm. um, that they get that luxury at that 25 day camp, because that's what the, that's where the part of character starts to grow. We're, we're teaching them to get away from this world that they've created within themselves and now learn about the world without them. And without a cell phone and you're in the middle of nowhere at a camp, you've got, you guess what you've got to learn? You've got to learn about yourself and you have to learn about the other people around you because that's all you have. Mm -hmm. You don't have anything else. And so I think that's what makes our program so unique as well is that we, uh, our kids are not in this bubble. We break the boat. As soon as, as soon as you enter our program, your bubble is officially broke. You can't have your cell phone. Mm. Yeah. Break the bubble. I think we all need the bubble. Come on. That needs to be trending. We can start that. Break the bubble. We do. Break the bubble. <laughs> Get out of it. I think it's so important. I think there's also a point to, I remember going to camps when I was younger and you, there's so many things you remember happening, but you don't have a picture of it. And this generation I think has grown up 
all of their memories are through the can like the lens. You can see it through the lens of the camera rather than capturing the real moment. And rather than it being just a photo on a screen, it's a blimp in your memory and you never forget it. And there's moments that I'll never forget, but I'll never see a picture of. And I think there's something so special about that that we can get back to and that, that if we do break and burst the bubble, we can get back to that sort of generation of living in the moment, enjoying it with the people around you and, and being able to move forward into a common goal. And I think that's what I love about what y'all do at C5, but also just any nonprofit, the nonprofit organization, the nonprofit realm, I think is so special and so neat that it really affects people in a special way. And I think there, there's people listening to this that want to and are desiring and have ambitions to get into the nonprofit world. What would you say to those people as they look forward or they're thinking, they're kind of dabbling in their mind, I might get into it, it's something I might want to do. What would you say to the people looking at nonprofit world um, as, they, as they move forward? First thing I would say is, come on, we would love to have you like that's that's the first thing. Come on. Come on. Second thing is that I would say, what are your goals and aspirations in life? Because if your goals and aspirations in life is to become some filthy rich, you know, person and, you know, live this life fandango like you're 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 not going to find that in nonprofit. Like if you're looking to come in and make gobs of money, that's not good. That's this is not the field to go into. If you're looking to have a, to make a change in someone's life, this is, you need to come here. And let me say this. I am not very well with, um, I, I wasn't, let me say, I wasn't well. When I first started out, I started out at AIDS, AIDS center and the, the stories I would hear from our clients and the things that they had been through and gone through, I couldn't handle it. Right. It was too much. It was too much for me to listen to. And I was just like, okay, this is, over it was emotionally overwhelming that was one reason why i went into raising money because i was like i can tell their stories you know hear the story and tell the story and somebody else feel that same story and want to give that was my passion for what i was doing and so if you feel like you may be overwhelmed by the stories there are so many fields that you can go into a nonprofit. like i said there is a business department in most nonprofits. um there is somebody who is handling procurement in some nonprofit, depending on which, which one you go into. There's somebody who needs some engineers at their nonprofit. So there is a lot of ways for people, even if they don't want to work in the field, but they want to volunteer, a lot of their skill sets would benefit nonprofits out here that may not be able to afford those skill sets or have the people who are able to do it. I love it. It's such a, just a noble calling and a noble ambition. I think so many more people can get into and we can make this world a lot better place. As we land the plane, Danny, I want to ask you just one question that we love asking all the people we get to interview is what advice would you give to your 20 year old self looking back and the experiences that you've gained through the nonprofit realm, through everything you've done, being a mother, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Yeah. So I thought I was pretty bold at 20. Like I thought I was a pretty bold person at 20. I realize now I really wasn't as bold as I thought I was. Right. Um, I would, I would tell my 20 year old self just to do it. Mm. And, and, and I was comfortable. And right. so I would have said to myself, Hey, it's okay. If you're uncomfortable, be, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like we've heard that before. And I wish I would have told myself that like, it's okay to be uncomfortable and not have all the things you're used to having. Just do it. Just jump out there and do it. 
Mm, just do it. Burst the bubble. I think Burst is what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. Get out of there. Get into the world. It's so much bigger. And there's so much more to this world and so much more to this life than sitting in, in the screen and in the bubble. So get out, do more, make a difference. And just like Danny is here in Dallas, Texas. But Danny, thank you so much for your time. It was a joy uh, to get to speak with you. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. <laughs>